Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2, the safe space created for Black women by Black women to strip away the taboo of talking about mental health. You'll hear from mental health professionals and advocates as well as Black women sharing their experiences as we break down the complexities, explore ways to heal, and support each other. My name is Ashley, I'm your host. Whether you're a seasoned regular or this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into today's episode. everyone welcome back to black girls have anxiety too i am your host ashley and today we have a really cool guest that I'm, I'm really excited that she's on today um she actually was referred by another guest i am always thankful when i have people come on and refer their friends or their colleagues or whatever it may be um so i'm super excited to introduce lunice blaze she goes by lou lou thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today <laughs> no problem no problem so Hara, today we are actually going to talk a little bit about talk a lot about what lou does for a living um she is a board certified behavioral analyst um and just a bit about a background about her she's 29 born and raised in miami shout out to south florida um i lived in miami (laughs) for like three years so i can't claim it but you know, um, she's also Haitian to the bone. She, you know, I had to add that in there. She is the oldest of four. And like I said before, she is a BCBA or a board certified behavioral analyst. And you know, y'all know, I struggle with these acronyms, board certified behavioral analyst. And she's also a dog mom. So before we get into like the important stuff, what kind of dog do you have? I have Teddy who is somewhat of a Havanese, um, like the small fluffy dog. Okay, I was going to say, I don't even know what that is, but it sounds really cute. Yeah, the small fluffy ones. I'm sure he'll make an appearance somewhere in this podcast. Um, And I also have two dogs in the back, um, which is a full breed German Shepherd and a lab mix. Um, But Teddy is more of like the dog that's inside that stays in my room. So So who's your favorite? Which one is your favorite? I'm assuming Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even going to uh, deny that one, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's just Teddy. Yeah. <laughs> well, before mm-hmm. we get into, um, mm-hmm. you know, your career as a behavioral, I'm going to get this right this episode, board certified behavioral analyst, we are mm-hmm. going to do just a, a little short icebreaker just to get into, get to know you a little bit better. Um, oh. I'm going to set my timer for two minutes and... We're just going to go through some questions. I want you to kind of say the first thing that comes to mind. You can elaborate a little bit and then we'll just hop through. Um, so two okay. minutes, quick questions. First thing that comes to mind. Cool. You're All right. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, what's the last thing that made you laugh? My new bestie. Oh, your new bestie. Okay. Yeah, where where did you meet funny. this person? Oh, yeah. Um, I met him on an app. Mm-hmm. And he's very funny. Oh. He makes me laugh all the time. Do you remember what he said to make you laugh most recently? Uh, the thing is, yeah. What's the last thing he said to make me laugh? Um, it was probably like a dad joke. Okay. Something like that. Love but a good yeah. dad joke. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, name one person that inst- inspires you. 
one person that inspires me would be um hmm my mom yeah only because like she really pushes through a lot and she doesn't let people see it on her face so like she really comes off as like a superhero superwoman so to speak mm-hmm. like behind closed doors is like wow like you really go through a lot and no one knows that like I admire how you present yourself and keep your crown straight in the world I love that mm-hmm. um if you could take a two-week all-expense-paid vacation anywhere in the world where would you go and who would you take and you don't London. have to take somebody London. Okay. Oh, I've always wanted to go to London. Um, and I mean, I don't mind going by myself. Okay, right? I, I hear that. I don't mind going by myself, <laughs> but if someone else is available, they're welcome to come too. Okay. I think. Um, what's the last uh, song you danced to? The last song I danced to, um, it was a compa song, actually. Okay. I was about um, to say you might want to break that down for anybody that yeah, might not yeah, know what Haitian music. Okay. Um and I believe it was called Come Back. Okay. It's like a breakup song. Okay. Thing, but it's also a song that we're working on. But it's just the last song that I did. Mm, okay. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Cool. So do you um like do you like really do the kumpa dance like I don't know how to dance it but it's beautiful when I watch it <laughs> yeah yeah I actually am on a team oh really oh so team. you're legit sure. okay. right. <laughs> I, I I mean I do it to like you know relax myself after work um on the weekends mm-hmm. it's a, just a fun thing to do um so yeah I enjoy it I love and, it yeah. okay one more question when is okay. the last time you felt pure joy Pure joy while dancing. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's just letting yourself go, feeling the music, and just going with the vibe and just being happy and dancing. Yeah. And it's a newfound love that I had. I I was kind of like, oh, I don't dance. I can never be like that person on Instagram or whatever. But like when I actually tried and actually put the effort into learning it, it just kind of like oh i love that okay maybe i might have to um maybe you might have to like give me some lessons next time i'm in miami yeah cool yes i'll let you know let you know when i'm coming (laughs) back down okay Um, so thank you for answering all my questions um let's get into uh what you do day to day so you are a board certified behavioral analyst like what does that even mean for somebody that's listening and has never heard of that position or role okay so a board certified analyst is pretty much it's a a supervisor level um in aba which is applied behavior analysis aba is a science that we practice bcba is the title within that science so it's kind of like you have the science of biology for a surgeon then we have the science of aba for a bcba that's kind of like the aspects of it so Pretty much my day-to-day would um, involve like supervisions where I would supervise technicians, RBPs, that run programs that I created. So um, 
let's say if we have a child that's exhibiting maladaptive behaviors like tantrums or physical aggression or um, property destruction um, or anything of the sort, I would receive a referral from a medical professional, most likely a neurologist, a pediatrician, anything in between. Um, and then you go to the home and you make an assessment. You do like an interview with the parents, like, hey, what's going on? What does the behavior look like? Um, were there any contributing factors that you might think contributed to this? And then we do a full assessment um, with different books, depending on the age or depending on what the behavior is. And then from there, you create a program. So like, let's say for instance, if I um, meet a four-year-old and I'm like, hey, what is this? and they don't really have an answer to me or they're completely stuck, that could be a target. I'm like, okay, I'm, we're gonna teach them how to label things. We're gonna mm. present phone, we're gonna present I, we're gonna present um, headphones, dog, cat, apple, this, that, um, to kind of get them to where they need to be um, like on their milestone of development. Um, and the programs are created out of targets like that. So let's say for instance, they have a tantrum every time they're denied access to something. That's a target. Okay, now we're going to shape it so that they can learn how to wait or they can learn how to request. Um, so the whole program is built. So I will be like, okay, um, hey, Ashley, I have a new kiddo. I want you to see him three times a week from 9 to 11 or 9 to 12 or whatever the hours are. And from there, the technician would be there day to every day or every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or every Tuesday, Thursday, pretty much showing the kid, what's this? What's that? What's this? Recording data on how many tantrums they have that day, recording data on um, any type of other behaviors. And I will look at the graphs of the data that they took and then supervise as needed. So like I would come in and be like, hey, instead of showing the phone like this, try showing the phone like that. Or, hey, instead of taking that like this, let's take it like that. Um, do you have any questions? And you adjust as needed. Um, that's a big factor of what a BCBA is because mm. you are really in charge of making sure this program is showing progress. Um, and that is checked through insurances and that is checked through um, clinical directors, that is checked with parents because everyone wants to see the progress and the behavior change. Um, aside from that, from supervising, you're also doing progress reports and you're doing behavior plans and you're doing parent trainings. Um, one of my um, former BCBAs, well, clinical directors, she always told me that the whole point is to not have a job anymore. The whole point, you, you're not meant mm. to stay there for the child's entire life. It's kind of like a trainer, right? You don't have a trainer for like the duration of your life. You have them for like, a couple months or so they show you the ropes and they show you how to you know go through gym equipment and then you kind of like fly so it's the same thing with bcbas we get to a point of mastery and then within that time period we're also training the parents like hey when he has a tantrum you do this or mm. when he's hesitating with this this is what you do and that's through parent training um which is also a huge component as well um so my whole schedule is just a mixture of different events like on today I could probably have three back-to-back -back supervisions and a parent training tomorrow I'm probably working directly with a kid to test on my program on what they say Wednesday on Friday um I could probably have 
like a clinical group meeting with my director. Um, I might have an RBT that sent me an email. When I gotta go back and change it up, so it's just a whole ball of fun. in ABA. Um, It sounds like you stay busy throughout the week doing a range of things, but it also sounds like the goal is to empower the people that you work with to be able to eventually like spread their wings and fly. Um, I know you mentioned parent trainings and I definitely want to get into that a bit later. Um, But one thing I do want to, I I do have, uh, I want to ask and just kind of clarify for anybody that, that is listening is a BCBA a mental health professional? Behavioral health and mental health, they tend to be used interchangeably. Um, but I would say that we are because we're still in the field of psychology, right? Mm. My bachelor's was in psychology um, and my master's was in developmental disabilities. So we're in the branch or the beautiful umbrella of mental health. But mental health is more of like internal work kind of like that's where you get the healing process and the self-reflections and the breathing exercises and stuff like that behavioral health is more observable things i can see you have a tantrum i can see the physical aggression i can see Mm. the addiction i can see you're struggling to label things um and that's something that we define as behavior in aba behavior is anything that you can see observable Um, but we also don't deny the fact that internal, um, internal factors are also included. Like we don't deny that, which is why there are a lot of BCBAs that had that double credential in ABA and mental health. My past clinical director, she was a licensed mental health professional, um, as well as ABA, because a lot of times you do see, um, them intertwine. Um, even with the parents, you would see it like it's hard to have a child that's on the spectrum. Um, it's hard to even deal with the child from a spectrum day to day. And sometimes the mental health does, does take a hit with that. So it's helpful to, you know, have that type of knowledge in it. So then that way you could kind of be that super resource. Like I can help you with your kid, but I can also help you. And I can make sure that you're okay. And I can make sure that, you know, your mindset is good and that, you're having a healthy lifestyle, healthy transition through everything. So yeah, I've thought about it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. That makes sense. It's kind of under that umbrella. Um, And I know that, I know that you mentioned that you work with uh, RBTs, which I believe registered behavioral technicians. Yes. Um, Yes. So who else like kind of makes up that clinical team that you work with or who else can you come across while you're working with a, a patient? Okay. Um, well, it, it varies, right, on how many professionals the client needs. I have been part of clinical teams where, you know, we work alongside speech pathologists. Um, we work aside occupational therapists. Um, our clinical team could have teachers if we're in a school setting. Um, it could also have Head Start professionals. Um, so it depends on the needs of the child. Some children don't need the speech. Sometimes they're fine on that, but they need the OT because they have a hard time with that. Or um, who else we could work alongside? We could like we could work alongside employers. Um, we could work alongside who else? It's such a range of things, places you could find BCBAs. Um, because there's some people like an OBM that's more of like a workforce 
studying. People also see them in law. People okay. also see them in hospitals. So what would they look? What would it look like if they're in, like, if BCBAs were in law? Like, how how what are, what would you be doing in that like in that field? When you think about it, because because the fact that we're intertwined with behavior wherever it is, let's say we have those that have that. Let's say, for instance, if we want to play on it, if we had someone that was autistic that harmed someone, mm. right? You would bring in a BCBA. To be like, okay, like let's make some assessments on that. Like, why did they do what they did? Or does it make sense that they did what they did? Or um, you could also be there to help, like with criminal minds, like trying to get into, oh. you know, well, the reason why he did that was because he took his toy. So he sat uh-huh. fire type thing. Like I could understand that because one thing that we learned is that every behavior has a function. And just to dive into it a little bit, there are four functions to behavior. It's either something tangible, you wanted something. It's either for attention. Um, it could also be for something automatic, like you wanted it, it just felt good to you, or escape. Um, and as I dived into ABA, you kind of like look at your life and like, did I just escape that? Or did I just do that? for attention or like hmm. did I just do that because it felt good to me just only and when you really start to dig into it you start to understand why kids do the things that they do it's like okay well he hit you with the phone because you told him he want you told him to clean up he was trying to uh-huh. escape that instruction so uh-huh. he threw the phone at you okay so Lou one more time go through those four functions one more time four functions attention you're doing it for attention like let's say if if me and you are talking and then Teddy comes and he starts nudging my arm and he's like barking at me or whatever he's doing that because he wants my attention or like let's say if you had like a little two-year-old and you know you're on the phone or you're busy with some cooking and then they start throwing toys in the back of your head they want your attention type mm-hmm. thing so attention then escape like I don't like what you just said or I don't want to do what you just said, or I don't like where this is going. So I'm going to do something to change the whole direction of this conversation so that I don't have to do that type thing. Oh. So that's kind of like if I'm asking you to do 500 math problem and you're like, I'm going to no, escape. You're going <laughs> to escape that. You're like, oh, no, you're going to take the paper, rip it in half, throw a pencil across my head type thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's escape. Um, any type of, it's, it's like more like whatever you just said is very aversive to me. Or I don't like it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do something else. Let me change this thing. So yeah, attention, escape. Tangible. I want something from you. I want those headphones on your head. So I'm going to pull your hair. And then, mm. so, and most of it comes because a lot of kiddos don't have that verbal repertoire to ask. And that is one of the most beautiful targets that we work on is increasing the verbal language, increasing the autonomy of the child so that they don't have to resort to behaviors to get what they want. And then the last one is automatic, sensory. Like we have kiddos that would sit there pinching their skin till they bleed, or we have kiddos that would like to hit themselves or slam their head on on the table because it's just something that feels good to them. Um, And those are really hard to shape because it, it's something that feels good so you kind of have to find a way to replace it 
Um, mm-hmm. I had a kiddo that she like she liked pinching her skin and she would leave like um little marks all over her skin. And one of the creative things that we did to replace that was give her like a squishy toy. Mm. So in that way you're pitching a squishy toy instead of your own skin. Um but we got lucky with that, right? Um there's just different things that you kind of have to be creative with and be like, okay, well, he likes to put his eyes into an eyeball like he likes that bright light in his face so maybe if we get like a toy that's like blinky it won't be as aversive oh. and it's cool um so it, it requires a lot of creative thinking and really digging into like okay but why yeah it sounds like it would be it. fun like it, it's kind of like a puzzle that you're figuring out each time. yeah it's always a puzzle yeah it's always a puzzle which is why it's always essential to have that community of BCBAs and other professionals to kind of give you different insights to things because we all see different types of behavior across our clientele. So it's like for me, I probably have the skin picking kid, and then somebody else probably has um, the eye into a light bulb kid, and we probably would have never known that other behaviors exist until we spoke about it. And right. like, oh, I never thought of that. Cool. So what yeah. did you do? This is what I did, or this is what you did. I have about, I want to say, 10. BCBAs on my phone like I know who to call for potty training I know who to call for table time I know who to call when it comes to safety community safety and it's like I know who to call for feeding I'm like okay I need a team especially me being new to the whole thing I am not afraid to ask for help I am not afraid to learn and it's just the best thing I love that because I think it's kind of I don't want to say it's rare but Yeah, you kind of really hear about people that are in different careers where it is very intentionally and encouraged to be collaborative um, and not necessarily like, not like you're in competition with the next person, but I think sometimes we can get tunnel visioned and it sounds like for BCBAs, it's, it works to your benefit to go and ask and talk to other people and really use that collaboration to help create better experiences um, or solutions Mm -hmm. for, for the population that you're working with. So um, I know you've mentioned your kiddos and I know, you know, we've kind of talked about how BCBA fits in with different places, but for you in particular, like what does the population that you work with look like? And did you choose to work with them? Is this kind of like where you've landed? Tell me a, a bit about that. I mean, I've always known that I want to work with kids. Um, and in the beginning, I didn't even know what a BCBA was or ABA, you know, yeah. like as everyone else. How did you um, find out? I'm just curious. How did you find out? Find out? Yeah. Um, well, I first started my undergrad in biology. I was on the path to be a pediatrician. Mm-hmm. Um, and chemistry was my best friend. It was horrible, horrific, <laughs> might I add. Um, so I so I made that decision like my third year in that it just wasn't for me. And it's something that, you know, I had to come to terms with. I had to break my father's poor little heart that I wasn't gonna be a pediatrician anymore. And kind of like be more realistic. Like, what exactly am I here for? What is my purpose? Instead of me trying to do things that people want me to do, like, where exactly do I want to go with things? So I went for psychology, um, only because I've always been so interested in how the mind works and why people do what they do, and kind of like just being in that realm of science. Um, so my bachelor's was in psychology, and. I knew that I wanted to pursue school. I knew that I wanted to go back. Um, but it was a matter, okay, like I wanted to build on what I already had. Um, and at the time, 
I was friends, well, I am still friends with Dr. Emmy, who is a CCBAD. Um, she has a doctorate in, BC, in ABA, I believe. Okay. I hope I said it right. Um, <laughs> and, you know, she kind of guided me and introduced me to what ABA was because I knew that she was in the realm, but I never understood. And then I kind of had a similar conversation with her, like, hey, like, what is that? What do you do? So I think. Um, and she was also a teacher at Nova, which is my graduate school. So she was like, oh, like, go for developmental disabilities. And in there, you can, you know, do ABA classes and kind of get your feet wet into the field or whatever the case may be. So I said, okay, cool. Um, and then I started off as an RBT. I literally, at first I was, I was in social work. Mm-hmm. And then I literally did a complete 360 in career path. And I started off as an RBT to get my hours because before you can sit for the exam you have to have I want to say now is 2,000 community service hours sorry that I'm shaking with the dog um, oh you're fine I'm shaking my desk here too so don't worry <laughs> uh, so um yeah you have to get 2,000 hours um of service so I don't remember exactly what the proportion is now but you have to have some hours directly working with the client and you also have to have indirect hours where you're working on paperwork, lesson plans, um, sitting in meetings, IEPs, parent training, webinars, stuff like that. Um, but all that is discussed whenever an RBT is under BCBA's um, workload. Okay. Um, so as I was going through the RBT 2000 hours, that's when I really started to love it and just seeing like, how broad and how fun it is um because i was always with kids i was working in schools i was working in homes i'm falling in love with the families i'm falling in love with the teachers and stuff like that and um i moved really fast as well because a lot of people are in the field for years as an rbt before they even consider taking the board exam but i'm just like let's go right moving forward 2000 all right cool let's go let's move yeah what if I got signed? All right, cool. Let's keep going. All yeah. right, the exam. Okay, nervous. Don't panic. Let's go. Move. Like it, it yeah. was like a very fast paced thing, and I was doing all this through the pandemic. Like people oh already had to like do hair, do nails. And I'm sitting here like, let's go to graduate school. Yeah. <laughs> like let's let's do something. You know? Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, did all that. Passed the exam in April. And here we are. Okay, so are you a recent graduate too? Um, I graduated last year, May. Last year, okay. Well, congratulations yeah. still. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> I graduated last year, May, and then from there, I was just in study mode. Yeah. Um, because again, I was, I'm still fairly new to it. And like, I tell my RBTs all the time, like I was there in RBT three months ago. Like, no pressure, don't yeah. panic. Don't yeah. seem like you gotta be perfect for me because I'm learning right, right alongside with you. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what also makes it relatable. Um, because it's like, hey, like I won't create a program that I know I can't run. Or mm. I won't ask you to do something that's like super out there because I know I would have probably cursed myself out too if <laughs> my supervisor told me to do this twenty times a day. You know, yeah. so I feel like it's a very beneficial thing to start from the bottom. Yeah. I mean it's 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Good. Good. <laughs> no, I think that's really, it's really nice that you point that out and you, you do have that experience of kind of coming up through the ranks rather than, you know, compared to somebody that might've just like popped out of grad school. And now they're in charge of all these people that have, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they've been doing RBT work for a long time. And yeah. I think we've all may at some point have been in that position where you've been in your role and maybe the person that's like the hierarchy, they're above you, but they're brand new. And so it kind of feels like you're kind of guiding them as they go. But I think it's really great that for your case, you're relatable. You've been in their shoes. So it's not like you're this, like you're really out of touch with what's going on. You can actually relate to them. And like you said, you can create like realistic expectations um, rather than somebody that has no clue and has never been, you know, around RBTs. And now they're telling them to to do something that, doesn't make sense but they right. can't really like fight you on it because you know you may be their boss or their supervisor yeah. or whatever it may be yeah um, I mean it's it's intimidating different ways because like let's say I've I've worked with RBTs that have been in the field longer than three four years mm-hmm. and here I am telling them like yeah um no we're gonna do it this way but of course you always like take into consideration what they say because they're the ones working with the kids mm-hmm. all the time I just pop up like twice or three times a month for a couple hours type mm-hmm. thing and I always leave that door open um to my RBTs like hey like if you see something that I wrote that's confusing let me know or if you think that they're ready for the next level of labeling things let me know I'll send me an email I'll fix it and whatever of course everything has to be clinical sound clinical clinically sound um but outside of that like your voice matters too and I, I know that from my experience where I feel like my voice doesn't matter sometimes. And I'm mm. like, no, I want you to know that, hey, you're a registered behavior technician. You have value in this whole progress. The child loves you just as much as they love me. Maybe even love you even more. They <laughs> see you all the time. So no, like whatever you feel like would make sense or whatever you feel like would be helpful to the child. Because I know you don't have ill intentions, neither do I. I'm here to listen um we could talk about it we could discuss it and adjust accordingly that's what makes everyone a team um when you come off as I'm your superior and you are here then it's like now you just kind of just mess up not only the relationship with the RBT but also with the family with the child themselves because now you're coming off like your nose is up here it's like no like I'll sit down on the floor with you yeah and I'm like okay let's run it let's do it or like what questions do you have do you feel comfortable with it you want me to take it out you want me to pause it because if they don't feel comfortable doing it it's kind of like throwing your work in the dirt um Mm -hmm. like they have to be able to understand what you're doing and have to be comfortable with what you're doing if you're not comfortable cool I'll switch on to another case or um if you have any questions about it let's talk about during my office hours let's run through it because you would want more BCBAs and right. who else to inspire than an RBT. Oh. So I don't want to make sure that you're being like that support system, that resource for them so that you could be an inspiration to others to go up the ladder and inspire other RBTs. And yes. Like I love that. I love that. Um, let's talk a, a bit more about the, the kids that you work with. So I know that you said that you have a background in developmental disabilities. Dis- disabilities. Mm-hmm. So like 
what type of disabilities um, does a population that you work with typically have? Like, what's the range? Most of them are autistic. Mm -hmm. They're all on the, the spectrum of autism. You have low functioning um, clientele as well as high functioning clientele. I have a pair of siblings under my clientele. The sister has verbal language, potty trained, everything's fine. The brother, no verbal language, not potty trained, not aggressive, but the sister is aggressive. It's like, it, it comes to different, different things. They could also have ADHD. Mm. Um, they could also have speech delay. Um, they could also have, I feel like those are the top three, now that I mention it out loud. Um, but there's other things. Mm. I ha oh, apraxia, like they have difficulty, um, like with, swallowing, not just swallowing specifically, but difficulty with like speech. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Um, there was another one, I forgot the name, I forgot the name, but That's I had one, I, I had one client where she had to read everything to understand what you're saying. And I forgot the name. That's okay. If you think of yeah. it, let me know. But that's really it. interesting. That's a yeah. wide range. And yeah. are these like typically kids within a certain age range? Like are they 10 and under? Are they all under 18 with like a wide range? Like for who you're working with, like what is your, what's the age range? My current clientele is children. Um, So, well, I want to say in general, the youngest child that I worked with was about two years okay. old um, because we always encourage parents to start early intervention. You kind of want to get them while they're young and start building from there. Um, and the oldest that I've worked with was 16, 17. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So there's a, there's a wide range potentially. Mm -hmm. And for um, like in general, BCBAs that might be in different um I guess maybe in different settings, is it, are BCBAs working with people across like that are adults, like up to people that are maybe 80, 70, 80s? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Okay. Um, because at the end of the day, when you really look at the skeleton of programs, you can do a tantrum target for any age group, right? Um, you can do a labeling target for any age group it's all the same material um but of course you want to make sure that you're doing age-appropriate things like for example with my two-year-old i'm well for the tour that i had it was more like i want to teach you how to say hi when someone says hi back so i'm going to teach you how to do this i'm going to teach you how to say hi hello i'm going to teach you my name so that you can say hi lou type thing like you teach them two-year-old two, three-year-old age-appropriate things. My 17-year-old, we're learning how to go grocery shopping. We're mm. learning how to shave. We're learning how to make a sandwich. We're learning how to do multiplication. We're learning how to do laundry, right? Now, it's, it's like you really don't want to, I don't want to say waste time, but you want to do things that are more age-appropriate. Like, yeah. okay, yeah, cool. I do want you to learn how to label. I do want you to learn how to ask for things, of course, but I also want you to be socially appropriate. Um, I want you to be able to go to Publix and help your mom go grocery shopping. You need to learn mm. how to use a debit card. This is what 17-year-olds so, are doing. 
Yeah. Um, it's like helping them kind of like manage their way through life or navigate yeah. life a little bit easier. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole goal. The whole yeah. goal of ABA is to help shape behaviors that are socially significant. So it's socially significant that your child doesn't have a tantrum in Walmart. We need to work on that. It's socially significant that he doesn't know how to um, engage with peers at the gym. Mm -hmm. It's socially appropriate to work on that. Social skills could be a target. Um, like I had a kiddo where every time that she went to Teresa's, I came up with a game to get everyone involved and for her to initiate it. Go ask so-and-so to play with you. That's a mm -hmm. socially appropriate target. Instead of you know just being in the corner, picking your skin no let's make some friends let's like yeah. go ask so-and-so to play with you or go um play tug of war with someone like or let's let's push on the swing or ask someone to push you on the swing outside of me mm. right because I'm not, I'm not gonna always be here so I, and I had a kid like that like she wouldn't go on the swing unless I pushed her and it's like Aww. uh no <laughs> no <laughs> your friends do it yeah um so then you kind of have to do this whole stimulus control and it's like, okay, um, you know, I could do it the first time, but you have to let Sarah push you the second time. Okay. Or like, and then slowly but surely I can sit on the bench and just watch um, and just see the progress of things. And that's, is honestly a very like admiring thing to see like the interventions just shape behaviors. It's like, wow, remember that time where you used to throw um, blocks behind your head for attention and now he acts as excuse me Ashley I'm like oh, do, you, do you see that like it's just Aww. seeing all these things and it's like wow and like that's something that I went through with my other agency before I became a BCBA um because I had to say you know bye to my kiddos and I it was just admirable to see like where we started and where we are now um, like with a two-year-old, he did not say a single word and mom was panicking and she was like, oh my goodness, like what is going on type thing. And he had a problem saying O's and U's. He wouldn't say hi. He wasn't labeling anything. And I remember my last day is, is it was just a very emotional day because he was saying bye, Lou. Oh. He's saying mom. He's saying, I love you Aww. and baby and stuff like that. And he's labeling car, ball, bubbles and stuff like that. And it was just like, yo, oh, I'd be, so I would be cool. boohooing, crying. I like, was crying so bad. Aww. I was crying so bad. And I had another kiddo that I was his only RBT. I was his only touch to ABA. And, you know, he had behavioral issues as well. He he wasn't socially engaged with peers and just watching him go I was with him I want to say from five to seven oh years wow old, just straight me twice a week um and just seeing the graphs and seeing the data um we use a curriculum called BB map and that's more for like different it kind of like breaks down the milestones of where the child is supposed to be um so it kind of does this Think of like a a bar graph. Okay. Yeah. Think of like a bar graph. So like when you do the first assessment, it does like a bar graph type of thing. Like when it comes to labeling, it starts a bar graph. When it comes mm -hmm. to like 
listening skills, it's like the bar graph. And every time that you do a reassessment, you kind of like change the color and you build on it type thing. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I can I can see yeah. it. I can see it. Yeah. So then when you look back at the end of the program, you'll probably see like four or five, six different colors, but you see it going up to the point where it's like a complete block of awesome. just rainbow goodness oh like, that's, wow look that's at that awesome. like, so like, not like, only do you have like this interaction with the child and you can kind of see wow like all this work yeah. that they're doing is really making a big change but you can also mm-hmm. like actually show the change on the graphs like have a visual representation yeah to show yeah. like this this child is actually like moving forward and really yeah. like having a lot of success I mean, all the data the RBTs collect, that's on a line graph. That's like on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. So um, again, I'm not there. So like at my current agency, we have RBTs that see kiddos every day. Um, and I can't afford to do that. I have a case full of about nine clients. I have to supervise, parent training, whatever, whatever. Um, but I could always go back and say, okay, on Tuesday, um, I'm this is probably unrealistic, but just for conversation. Like on Tuesday, Johnny had 10 tantrums. But on Wednesday, it went down to six. And on mm. Thursday, we're at four. On Friday, guess what? He had no tantrum. I wish it happened as quick as that. <laughs> but over the course of like weeks, maybe even months, that's kind of the trend you would see. Um, you would want it to go down for maladaptive behavior, but you want it to go up for like acquisition skills. Like, okay. oh, labeled two things, but on Wednesday, she labeled 15 like oh ah. now we're going up so yeah. it kind of depends on what the target is and that's something that you share with parents because they're always curious right maybe they might not see exactly leaving a lot of things at home um so you just show them on graph if I you don't have that. data you're not doing anything that's right kind of the model so yeah. lots of data but also lots of like face-to-face collaboration interaction yes. um yeah i really love that and i love thank you for the breakdown because it's good to kind of know how, how these things are measured. I think sometimes we forget that there is a lot of data that I'm sure has to go to insurance companies. And like you said, be presented mm-hmm. to parents, but there's also like just the being able to actually see the results in person with the children, you know, with, with the new milestones that they're hitting. So right. uh, I know you mentioned targets. Um, can you talk a little bit about like, what is a target for a BCBA or, or for a patient of yours? And like, what are the different types of targets and, and how you measure them? Okay, so every program is individualized, right? If I were to pull up all my clientele, I can't, but if I were to, um, each one would have something different. So for instance, I have a kiddo um, who through parent training, mom told me that he doesn't accept doors closed hmm. it's something that he's just not with it like he will fall on the floor crying throwing things if you close the door for anything so mom can't use the bathroom mom can't mm-hmm. have mom time you know mm-hmm. um i hear you <laughs> I think, or like or like she can't close the door to go to the backyard type thing oh. and that's something that shared which is also helpful with parent training like they tell us stuff that they want us to work on and it's clinically sound we do it because again, we're only here to train. We're only here to help for a certain period of time. So whatever's important to you, we can work on it or I'll mm-hmm. just give you pointers and stuff like that. So cool. 
Um, yeah, he had a problem with Dory's clothes. So that's also something that we realized at the center because the center had a different room. Um, so let's say if we're in the playroom and someone closes the door, he'll like have a whole moment and swing the door open and walk away. That's, oh. that's not cool. So he's making right? it very clear. I need this door to be open. Exactly. To be, yeah. Yeah. So that became a target. The target was you're going to accept the door closed. Mm. Right. And of course you understand the fact that it's going to be hard because every time the door is closed he has a tantrum so now you have to go through these tantrums to break him out of that cycle of not accepting closed doors Mm. i have got bruises to prove to you how hard it is no because it's it's something because this whole time it was allowed the whole time it was it was reinforced right Mm -hmm. um and that's I want to say if there's any hard part to the field, it's putting behaviors on extinction and mm. showing and teaching replacement behaviors at the same time. Because if, for example, if every time you cried at Walmart, your mom gave you a cookie and I'm like, no, we're not doing that. You're not yeah, because crying. it's kind of like a trained, a trained, like if I yeah. do this, then I'm going to get this. So why wouldn't I keep crying every time we go to Walmart? Exactly. In the cookie section. I want cookies. And exactly. And then I come through and I'm like, no more. We're not doing that. You're yeah. going to give me everything you got. You're going to be crying for 40 right. minutes. You're going to be throwing everything at me. You're going to be whatever. I'm going to be block, block, block. <laughs> karate chop. No. You know, <laughs> Legos as they come flying. <laughs> nah, you get the cookie when we get home. Yeah. That's what we're doing. We're not tantruming for that type mm. thing. And that's something you teach parents. So anyway, back to the door example. Um, So... Yeah, so I I told the RBT I'm like I'm like okay hey, we're gonna start a target where he has to set the door closed for a minute. Okay. Let's close the door, put a timer for a minute, show it to him, and he needs to understand the door doesn't open for another minute, and you block everything. He's gonna fight. He's gonna tug. He's gonna pull. No, one minute. When that target is mastered, then you go for another target. Well, there's there's objectives, long term goals, short term goals. And targets. So let's say my objective was for him to accept a door closed for 10 minutes. Mm. Right? The targets will lead to that. So the first target could be, okay, he needs to accept it for a minute. He mastered it. Good. Like, let's say I need him to set the door for a minute for five sessions straight consecutively. That's mm-hmm. how I know that he got it. Type thing. Then after a minute, I'm like, okay, let's try three minutes and a half. Boom. If he has a hard time or if the RBT is like, yo, like I lost three braids, my glasses broke <laughs> too much. I'm like, you know, pull my it's, hair. It's, it's, it's not happening. It's it's too it's too long or yeah. whatever. Cool. Thanks for that feedback. I go and I just say, right, cool. Let's go to a minute and a half, mm. two minutes. And even and through all that adjusting, you work your way to your main objective of 10 minutes. Type thing. I love that. It's like a yeah. step by step, like small like small doable steps in order to get to like a bigger goal yeah yeah that's very realistic too I think maybe in my head I was thinking of like something really drastic um or something really like finite like okay we're just gonna shut the door one day and then just see how he acts but it makes so it makes obviously makes a lot more no it needs to be gradual right because the whole time they were so used to something happening that way that if you were to do it like that then it's kind of like 
you're gonna hurt yourself because yeah they're gonna lose their mind like there <laughs> right and also in the meantime you can teach the function of communication so like oh, miss lou can i open the door please or miss oh. lou can i can i leave the door cracked type thing and you could teach that um one way to teach emotional communication let's say for the attention example let's say you and i are talking and um I don't know, little Ashley comes in and mm-hmm. she's like, oh, tapping. No, she starts pulling your hair. Okay. Starts pulling your hair and you're like, oh, wait, mommy's talking. Mommy's talking or whatever. We could teach her to tap or we could teach her to ask, excuse me, mommy, can you come with me? Type uh, thing. You always want to replace a maladaptive with a replacement. Okay. And you say, I know you said maladaptive a couple of times. For people listening, like, what does maladaptive mean? Maladaptive is pretty much an unwanted behavior something that's not the ideal reaction or not the ideal um behavior that you want to see in the situation okay so the clinical term is maladaptive some people call it unwanted but then again that's subjective so oh okay so you can't really call it a bad behavior because no no subjective okay okay maladaptive maladaptive <laughs> so, all right yeah um it, it's like it's like you have a hard time adapting to the situation behavior and so is that where like that that piece comes in where you're trying to understand like what does this child need like I know you said attention so understanding yeah. like attention is what they need and then switching out the behavior so yeah. that they're still finding a way to get attention but they're doing it with a different behavior is that that's exactly what it is look at you wow. I got it. <laughs> that's exactly what it is you find you find the function because you still want them to get that same you still want them to get that same end goal mm-hmm. right let's say for instance i have my phone and i have a kid that does that i have my phone and she'll try snatching it out of my hand uh, mm-hmm. what do we say let's do can i have a, can i have your phone please okay cool here mm-hmm. you still get the phone but you didn't get it through snatching. You got it through asking. You got it through using your words. Uh, or, or like, let's say um, if we're teaching like a social skill um, and a kid comes and takes a ball out of out of so-and-so's hand, or let's say you're the one taking the ball out of so-and-so's hand, we're going to teach you how to say my turn and accept my turn. Or we're going to teach you how to initiate play. Um, or we're going to teach you how to stay engaged in a game with peers. Mm. Um, it's a variety of things, honestly. Like my day is never boring. Yeah, it sounds like you've got <laughs> a lot going on at all times. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I know you also mentioned parent training. So, um, this is another interesting piece. Like, what does parent training look like for a BCBA or for an RBT that's working with a BCBA? BCBA. Okay, so parent training is more BCBA to parent directly. Okay. Um, so because the parent as well is not there all the time. So it's up to me to look at all the data, analyze everything, talk to who I need to talk to, to report things back to the parent. Um, and it, it would really, um, include like a summary of progress. Um, but it also gives parents opportunity to ask whatever questions they have. Like, Hey, I know last parent training, you said that we were working on door closed. I realize at home, not only is he slamming the door, but he's hitting his head on it. What do I do? Right? 
And then that also gives me insight, like, oh, I didn't know that. Let's look into that at the center. Maybe the arbitrator failed to report that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you kind of dig into that. It also leaves room for um, just teaching purposes. Like, I want to say last week, I was teaching a parent the functions of behavior. There's four different functions to it. Let's look into that. Um, because she was trying to understand why um, the the, both of the siblings are my are my clientele and she was trying to understand why um her daughter kept hitting the son um when he was playing a game mm. or something and I said okay let's dive into that mom what do you think the function of behavior was and we go into it and I'm like okay when you start to understand why she does the way she, the that she does then that way we can replace it and just teaching them step by step what that is um what else could it look like? It could also be. Do you hear him? I do. <laughs> it's okay. It's, it's really low. It's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> Teddy's making an appearance because he had answers to that question too. But yeah, outside of that, it could be just getting insight on how things are at home. Mm-hmm. Um, it could also be just a teaching opportunity. Um, it could also be just an update as to the client's progress. Um, and it could also be an opportunity to refer out to other services. One thing that a lot of people that I have come across are kind of confused on is the extent of an RBT's work, right? Mm-hmm. Even though we tap into different things, think of it like a general surgeon, right? I could tap into speech. I could talk into OT. I could talk into, you know, any type of physical thing if I wanted to. But that's not my specialty, right? Mm-hmm. We have people that work on speech. We have people that work on motor skills. We have people that work on other skills. And you refer out as needed. So if I have a clientele and we're working on tracing letters because that's part of the milestone first under assessment. If I see you're having a hard time holding the pencil, or if I see like that you just, skills. yeah, motor skills, that's not my job. Mm. That's an OT job. The OT is going to do all the motor skill activities, everything like that. If I am asking you to imitate sounds and you're having a hard time, if I see you honestly struggling, having a hard time with that, I'm not going to put my fingers in your mouth and help you with that. No. Right. You're going to need to that's- go to like a speech pathologist. Ah, yes. so it is, it is really like a team effort. It is really being like keyed into what's kind of in your lane and what you need to tap in to something. Yeah, and more. yeah, and that's and that's also part of the code. Uh, all everyone in the ABA, we follow a a code book or a rule book mm-hmm. type thing, and one of the codes is to stay um in, within your competency. Um, okay. the second that you're out of your competency, you are against the code, and you can get in lots of trouble. Um, the board is someone to be very afraid of because you cannot play. Mm-hmm. Um, just like any other board, medical, yeah. law, whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, like let's say if parents have a target they want me to work on, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'll have to refer that to speech. Okay. I'll have to refer that to um, but outside of that, it's also just the time to just be friends with the parents. The same way that we pair with clients, they may want to pair with the parents. I had a parent show me her wedding pictures the other day. I was like, cool. Let's talk about weddings. 
Yeah. yeah. It was like, you know, or like, or like, let's say she was telling me about her culture because she's from um, Dominican Republic. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Cool. Let's do it. Like, because you also want to be friends and have that rapport with everyone so that when it comes time for you to put your foot down, when it comes time for you to actually be a BCBA, that respect is there. Yeah. That, um, that positive energy is already there. So you know it's coming from a pure place. Like, I love you. You look great in your pictures, but let's run this party. Like, yeah. and once you have that, you get a lot more respect. Yeah, I love that. that. I like that. Just a kind of holistic effort to really get to know people. Yeah. Knowing that you're going to need to lean on that at some point. Mm-hmm. I love that. And for somebody that's listening, um, I know, like you said, there's a, there's a wide range of, um, places and different industries and fields that BCBAs can kind of uh, pop up in. But let's say there's somebody listening that either knows somebody or um, maybe has a child or has a learning, uh, a developmental disability themselves. And they are feeling like, well, maybe I should work with a BCBA. Like, is there, how do you find them? Do you go through your insurance? Is there like a website that they can go to, to find somebody in their area or their programs? Like what's the first step? Um, usually the referrals come from medical professionals. Like you would get like a neurologist or you would get like a pediatrician to kind of look into that because it all goes back to milestones. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I know the clients I have now are started to Medicaid. Um, but you also have private insurance. You also have clients that just pay privately. Um, so the coverage is, it varies, um, based upon financial situations. Um, even teachers could see that, um, but they can't refer though. I take that back. Um, I think most of it just comes from a medical referral, or okay. like let's say if you just happen to hear about it, like let's say if I had a post on my Instagram about being the CBA, and someone said, "Hey, I've got a sick kid. Like, can you can you come see them?" Sure, cool. Medical clearance. But then I'll come see you. Because mm. um, you always want to make sure that's the first thing. The first thing to always get before starting any type of ABA service is medical clearance. You need to make sure that um like the hearing is okay, the sight is okay, um, brain wise okay, because you also want to put them in an unfair position. If you honestly can't hear what I'm saying, it makes no sense for me to make a program for you to imitate. I feel I feel good as far as like what I know about a BCBA and like where it integrates and um, I'm gonna look for some some more information online and just add some more add some more resources in the description of this episode for anybody that's listening because mm-hmm. I didn't know much about BCBAs. I actually have a friend that's a BCBA, actually like the wife of a friend of my husband's. Mm-hmm. Um and she is a BCBA and she's tried explaining it a couple times. But to be honest, I was like, man, I have a lot more questions, but I don't want to waste, like not waste our time, but I don't want to, you know, when people do something that you're really interested in and you're like, yeah, feel like I'm interviewing them. But now I actually have a chance to sit and interview you, which is awesome <laughs> yeah, cool. for, to yeah. get, because I think it's a really great, um, it's a really great, like you said, branch of this kind of like holistic view of how to help people and really empower mm-hmm. them. Um, so I hope that people listening, if they are interested, 
or maybe know somebody that can use the services of a BCBA that they do reach out and whether it be to you, because Lou's information will be in in the description as well. Um, But I think it's really interesting. It's something that I didn't know about. Um, Shout out to Abby, Abigail Thomas, who uh, if anybody is listened to her episode, uh, her episode, I believe is titled, I just became a therapist. If you scroll down a little bit, um, she'll be a few episodes behind this one. But Abby actually referred Lou over to me. So I'm super excited that uh, and just very grateful. (laughs) Shout out to Abby. Yeah. Um, yeah, we worked alongside each other. Um in our nice. agency. Like so I think that's cool. awesome. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Shout out to Abby. Um, and also kudos to anybody that has been on this podcast and has referred somebody else. Um, it is a way that I just meet a lot of really great people on this podcast, including yourself. Um, and I think it's always beautiful to see black women lifting other black women up and be like, hey, hit her up. Like, yeah, you're awesome. You should be here. So um, I do want to thank you, but I'm actually not wrapping up the podcast. I feel like I'm doing this prematurely and I still got a couple questions for you. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, <getting> started. <laughs> so, um, kind of moving away from like your BCBA hat and just kind of like Lou on, okay. you know, like on a day where maybe there's a day where you kind of feel like maybe your mental health is, is taking a hit or, or, you know, what do you do to, to manage your mental health? I know you dance Kumpa, but what are like three other things that you like to do to kind of keep your mental health, uh, in a, in a healthy place? Okay. Um, driving home in silence is very weird. Um, cause sometimes I remember one day, it was like a two-hour session, and I sat through a 40-minute session um, just to break that cycle and extension. And I remember that drive home in silence was everything. And it was just just having that solitude. Even when I come home, like, I love my siblings. I'm sure they love me. But sometimes I just want to be in my room, close the door, and just silence. Yeah, and just being in that space of peace, being in that space of just solitude, that is one of the things that I kind of unwind with some wine as well. I like to, I don't want to say color, but it's coloring. It's on an app on my. Um, it counts. I color. It counts, girl. It yeah. counts. Um, color. <laughs> Um, my brother got me a bite for Christmas. So sometimes if I'm really, really in the need for some space, for some, you know, fresh air, probably to walk with Teddy or go on a bike ride. Um, yeah, dancing for sure. Or just binge watching. Yes. Just anything to kind of like stop thinking. Like, yes. let's just wind down. Yes. Wound, wound. Wind down. Wind I got down. you, girl. Yes. <laughs> I got you. I think it's um, probably about that time to wind down tonight. Yeah. Yeah, girl. I'm going to work today. <laughs> so before we wind down, yes. uh, my last question for you. Um, now let's go back. I, um, I know that you are 29. So let's go back to nine-year-old Lou. 
Okay. What is one affirmation or just one piece of advice that you would give to nine-year-old Lou? Nine? Uh, yeah, nine. Uh, I'm taking it way back. <laughs> I guess I'll keep it simple and say keep going. Um, only because I know that throughout my life I've been through a lot. Everyone has their childhood story, traumas, relationships, friendships, school, jobs. Um, and sometimes I found it hard to tell myself to keep going. Like it gets better. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Keep pushing forward. You know. Um, keep the dream alive, um, keep praying, keep working hard, keep giving your best, just keep going. That's uh, something that I would tell. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Shout out to nine-year-old Lou. I love that. <laughs> the chunky nine-year-old you, Lou. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. You know what? Sure. We are going to... Um, I definitely didn't do the mind game segment. So we're going to do the mind game segment at the end. Okay. Now, Lou, if you haven't heard the mind games, if you haven't heard an episode yet, I do a segment of the podcast called mind games. I usually do it in the middle, but I was so into this conversation. <laughs> we're going to plug it in at the end. Cool. Um, okay. <laughs> and then I promise I will let you go wind down with Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> no so problem. mind games is basically a segment of the podcast where I bring up, a mental health disorder. Um, I read the description, read through the symptoms, but it is a secret as to what the actual mental health disorder is. Um, uh, you may know what it is while, I, while I'm reading it. Don't give it away. Don't tell the listeners. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I'll give them a chance to kind, you know, give them a, a minute or so to kind of guess. Okay. Um, but I'm gonna go ahead and read through our mind games game for today, and. Um, for those that are listening, if you're listening on Spotify, you can actually um, add your answer in there. And if you get it right, I will pin it at the top. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and get into it. So this mental disorder is a serious mental illness that affects how a person thinks, feels, and behaves. People with this disorder may seem like they've lost touch with reality, which can be really distressing for them and their family and friends. Uh, the symptoms of this disorder can make it difficult to participate in usual everyday activities. Um, many people who receive treatment can engage in school, work, achieve independence, etc. Now for the symptoms of this disorder. Uh, people with, with this uh, illness are usually diagnosed between the ages of 16 and 30, typically after the first episode of psychosis. Um, as far as the other symptoms, one, uh, one category of symptoms is psychotic symptoms. That includes hallucinations, delusions, thought disorders, move, movement disorder. Um, other symptoms could be cognitive symptoms like having trouble processing information to make decisions, um, having trouble using information immediately after learning it, or having trouble focusing or paying attention. Um, a couple other uh, negative symptoms might include having trouble planning and sticking with activities, um, having very low energy and spending a lot of time in passive activities, 
Um, in extreme cases, a person with this mental illness might actually just completely stop moving or talking for a while, which is actually a rare condition called catatonia. 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 It's potato, potato. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> another symptom is, uh, is actually t- talking in a dull voice and showing limited facial expression um, or avoiding social interaction or interacting in socially awkward ways. Now, for anyone listening, does, if you want to take a guess as to what this uh, disorder is, I will give you about a minute um, if you want to go to Dr. Google and type in <laughs> what I just said and cheat, go ahead. I'm not judging. <laughs> right. I'll give you a minute. Um, while you're guessing, I do want to just give everybody that's listening a heads up that Black Girls Have Anxiety too is on Bullhorn. Um, Bullhorn is a platform where I will be, I live stream episodes. I haven't live streamed a ton, but I am going to be live streaming a lot more episodes What does that mean for you? That means that on Bullhorn, it's super interactive. Uh, You can actually chat with other people that are listening. Um, You can submit questions that I bring up and actually show on the screen in front of everybody. So only good questions, PG questions. Um, And the coolest part is that you can actually call in. So you you can call in through your phone, you can call in through video, and you can actually join um, myself and the guest that's on the episode at that time. Mm-hmm. So it makes it really interactive. I haven't actually met any listeners, even though there are lots of people listening. So I would love to meet you, interact with you. Um, and I would love to be able to open up space for when I have great guests like Lou, giving people the opportunity to pop up and ask questions. If they have a question that maybe I didn't come up with, Um, Or just kind of maybe given your opinion on, you know, whatever we're talking about at that time. Um, Again, that we are on bullhorn.fm. That's B as in boy, U-L-L-H-O-R-N.fm as in Mary. Uh, The link will be in the description. Go ahead and follow us on Bullhorn. You just basically go in to bullhorn.fm, type in Black Girls Have Anxiety 2, Click follow, and that means you'll be notified every time that we schedule a live episode and when we are about to go live. Um, I'm missing something. Oh, the app, (laughs) the Bullhorn app. You can also download the Bullhorn app. Um, That makes it a lot easier to get notifications on your phone uh, of when we're going live and making sure that you join those live calls uh, or live episodes. Um, Yep. So. Is everybody ready with their answers? Not that I can hear you answer, but for anybody <laughs> that took a guess for the mind games, uh, mind games answer, the answer is actually schizophrenia. Oh. Yes. Um, schizophrenia. It is, I feel like every time I read about schizophrenia, there's, I learn something a little bit new and it's definitely something I need to have a podcast episode about at some point it's on my very long list of episodes mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. topics to get through um but yes schizophrenia um yeah thanks for playing mind games everybody <laughs> okay cool i was i was trying to follow along and then when you got to the age of diagnosis 16 i'm like ah that wasn't it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and, 16 to 30 is like that small. Yeah, I'm like 15 year chunk, 14 year chunk. Oh my God, man. 
And then and then you were saying a dull voice, like dull voice. I feel depression. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. See, that was the first time I've ever read something like that. Um, associating associating a dull voice with schizophrenia. I've never even heard of that. I've never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you are interested in, in reading more about schizophrenia, I will throw the reference um, for the Mind Games episode into the description so you can click through, read a little bit more if you're interested. Um, but yeah, make sure you're following us on Bullhorn. Um, that is, I mean, this was a great episode, Lou. It was. <laughs> I liked it. it was really Yay. Uh, but no, yeah, I'm always excited and passionate about like telling people what ABA is and what it be. Once someone asks me what's a BCD, I'm like, oh, you don't know? I'm <laughs> going to tell you everything because I think it's such a cool field and it's also so rewarding and I'm like, hey, if you don't know what to do, if you like the call of you and kids, hey, I love let's, that. Let's build my team. Yeah. Let's yes. get things going. So the goal is to have my own agency, of course, um, and to branch off from there. Um, especially being Haitian culturally wise, they have no idea what I do. Like yes. my mom just tells people, Oh, she works with kids that have problems. I'm like, Mom, that's not what we say. We say like I have to keep yeah. giving her the proper terms and stuff like that. Yeah. But I do want to branch out to more um like different cultures and show that it's okay. It's the same thing with mental health. Like people are scared of therapy because of different stigmas, and people are scared to like have their children on the spectrum get the help that they need because it's just a negative connotation to things. And I want to break that. I want to be a part of. The generation or team or professionals that break that. Yes. Um, so I'm all excited that. to share what it is that I do. Yes. I love that. Mm-hmm. And I I thank you so much. And I um I'm curious when you told your dad, hey dad, I'm not gonna be a pediatrician. Uh, I'm actually gonna be a BCBA. Yeah. And I only ask because yeah, I kind of identify with you. Um when I was in college, I was actually studying uh, I was pre-med for up until like your, my senior year, beginning of my senior year. And for anybody that doesn't listen to the podcast, I come from a Jamaican family. I got Jamaican parents. Um, my dad, the person that I call my dad is black American, but my biological father, mm-hmm. all my genes are straight from Jamaica. So along with that comes like the cultural expectations. Like my grandmother told me, you know, asked me what I wanted to do when I was really young, like probably four. And I was like, I want to be a doctor. And for my whole life, that was like my trajectory up until like beginning of my senior year. I had done like a year or six months of like shadowing some of our like doctors that were at the university working with the athletic teams. Um, And I had at that point, like volunteered at a brain and spine clinic. And I would go there like pretty much every day after practice whenever I could, but I did, I felt like this is not for me. I don't want to do that. This is definitely not for me. As much as it sounds great for me to be a doctor, I don't Mm. actually want to. And it, it took me a while to like sit down with my grandmother and explain. (laughs) I don't want to be a doctor. I wasn't going to be a doctor. Yeah. 
Um, so how did you handle that conversation? Of course, it's not the easiest conversation in the world, right? Um, especially being that I'm the oldest of four, but I do have an older brother. Um, but like household wise, mm-hmm. oldest of four. So, you know, you have that, um, you have that underlying pressure, just being the eldest and setting that standard for your siblings to follow. So, my parents have always seen as I'm going to be the first doctor of this family. Because not only am I the oldest, but I'm also the oldest grandchild. I'm also the oldest niece, oldest whatever. So it's like, Ooh, that's a lot of pressure. To, you're <laughs> going to set the standard for all of us right now. Yeah. Um. So one thing that I realized that I came to realize um, the hard way is that if you don't have a passion in something, it's going to show eventually. Mm. And I just didn't have a passion to be a pediatrician. Because, you know, when you have a passion for something, you're willing to go through the hard work. You're willing to go through the sacrifices, the late night sleep or whatever, because that's just something that you're just burning to do. And you are willing to do whatever it takes to get there. And I didn't find myself doing that mm. under a biology major. Um, and as I continue to mature and grow and start to have more respect for my value and for my own journey, I kind of started to get the thought of who am I doing it for, right? Am I doing this because you guys want me to do it or am I doing it because I want to do it? That thing. Um, and yeah, I just had to, you know, put my big girl pants on and got my father's office. He has an office. Um, so I pulled up you know, this office. I was like, yeah, dad, I know you spent a lot of money on this, but um, I don't want to do it no more. I think. <laughs> and I remember exactly what it was. Like he was sitting with his glasses and he was like, excuse me? Oh, like, tips the glasses to the edge, like, uh, come again? <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, look, I tried because he had no idea that I was having a hard time with chemistry. And even mm. like I was borderline making it, right? I was doing like B's and C's and I know I'm good. And I was borderline making it. I was stressing out over every test. I was second guessing myself on everything. And that's when I confessed to him. I'm like, look, excuse me, this whole time, dad, I'm not even gonna lie to you. I'm barely making it. Like, this is what it is, this is what it is. And I and I told him, I'm like, yo, like it doesn't matter how hard I study, it's just, it's just not hitting, it's not sticking or whatever. And he was trying to find every excuse in the book. Oh, it's because you have a boyfriend. If you don't have a boyfriend, you'll be able to focus. Oh, mm. it's because you don't really study. I don't see you study. If you study hard enough, you'll be able to do it. And it was a matter of me just sticking my ground like, look, I don't want you spending thousands of dollars for me to do something that I don't want to do. Mm. So, yeah. But for him, like, the more that I explain it's not that I don't want to be successful it's not that I don't have the academic dream it's just not this I think and it was also a moment for me to understand that he doesn't have ill intention he just wants to make sure that I'm good mm-hmm. that you know I'm not financially struggling and that I um that I'm gonna be okay type thing and, and I said that I said you know dad like I know your whole intention is that you want me to be successful 
you want me to um, be able to take care of myself and not depend on a man and stuff like that. And I promise you, that's always going to be the goal. And I think like once I said that, that's when like, okay, you got it. Mm. Um, so then, yeah, I graduated psychology. And then when I decided to be a BCBA, that was one of the conversations because they had no idea what that is. Type thing. Mm. And a part of him still feels like I should have been like a nurse or something. Like, oh, why don't you go into nursing? They make good money over there. Or why don't you try law? You have good conversational skills. And I'm like, no, dad, this is not how life works. Mm. Yeah, I want to do something I like to do. And BCBAs make good money too. Like, yeah. when I started writing numbers with him of like what salaries look like, conversation got pretty good <laughs> very fast. Yeah, he's like, like, okay, oh, all right. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, that's how much you're making. Cool, yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Brad. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> and on top of that, I was trying to tell him, like, yeah, I can go for nursing, but look how competitive that is. Like, or look at, yeah. you know, medical school. You gotta go through like 20 years. I'm exaggerating it. But yeah, like whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, look, I'll click a straight arrow, boom, here I am. I'm happy, I'm home, I make my own schedule, I'm dealing with kids all the time, I'm a supervisor, like Yeah, you're doing it. You're doing it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like, you'll be all right. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got you with the house, I got you with the car. Give me a second to get my first. Right. And then, you know, I got you. Like yeah, it'll come. So, it'll come. Yeah. But but the conversation itself, man, my heart was on the floor and I'm like, God, I'm gonna have to tell I'm gonna have to break this man's dream because this whole yeah. time. Yeah. Oh, I feel and that. I can still be a doctor. I'm I'm thinking about it. Okay. Hey, um, sky's the limit. Yeah. The sky's the limit. As long yeah. as it's making you happy and as long yeah. as it's because you want to do it like that that's what matters like that's what I had to kind of come to come to terms with with my grandmother is like I had to sit down and just explain to her because I thought like I played basketball through college did well in school and I thought okay you did basketball I did I did yeah you can't tell but I'm kind of tall in real life (laughs) but um I'm six three so I'm I'm extra tall I got a lot of legs (laughs) I like that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, but um, I remember I have I had a conversation with my grandmother, and I was like, "Look, I'm gonna go try to play professionally for a little bit." So I did that, and um, when I came home, I think even in my head, I was like, "Okay, I guess I need to come to terms with the fact that I'm not gonna go to med school. Like, I'm not gonna like I'm really not gonna do it." at all Mm -hmm. and eventually had that conversation with her and I thought she was gonna like have a mental breakdown of me saying that and she was just like you know okay you gotta do what makes you happy and I think that was like right before she kind of like made a turn with Alzheimer's and dementia like that got Mm -hmm. really bad so I was really happy that I told her that and was honest with her about like where you know where I was headed and that this dream that we both had for me you know, wasn't going to happen. Um, it was like, just really nice that at the core, she's like, I want you to do what makes you happy. And if being a doctor isn't going to make you happy, that's okay. You just got to do what makes you happy. Yeah. And like, similar to what, you know, your, your dad was saying is like, make sure you can take care of yourself. Make sure you're not dependent on anybody. Make sure whatever you're going to do, you're going to be able to support yourself and save up money 
Um, So yeah, I think at the core of it, especially like when your parents aren't from here, they want you to go for the moon and it's whatever like career is familiar to you. That's the career that they want you to have. And I get that. But I think at the core of it, it's like, I want you to take care of yourself. I want you to be successful. And if you're going to do something like put your all into it and be the best at it, like you know, whatever yeah. it may be at, at the core, after they, you know, shell off the layers of like, what? They're not going to be a doctor. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And it, and I think that's also, it kind of like reflects on how we were raised. Like I always tell my friends or like people that meet me, like my parents raised all of, all of us, my siblings, like we're very real when it comes to conversation. Like we don't, shooting cold around here like you have to have Mexicans to live mm-hmm. in my household and so a kind of so even though the conversation was hard like I feel like I had the guts to say it because we've always been so transparent with each other um but it was also me just feeling I guess bad that mm-hmm. I had to break that um image of what they thought I would be yeah um but even then, and I think we kind of spoke about it in, in our screening of like just things still not being enough. Mm. Um, and that's also where I learned that my mental health is a priority um, because sometimes you can find yourself kind of like um, doing a lot more than you need to because you're trying to prove a point or you're trying to prove mm. something. Okay, I'm not gonna be a doctor, but I'm gonna give you straight A's in graduate school. So you can see, like, I'm still smart, I still got it. And then you're like, you know, really pushing it, trying to do things. And when you finally get it, it's kind of like, let me go for that face. Yeah. Huh? Mm-hmm. It's like, I just went It's like, because for them, unless you're like a doctor, a lawyer, engineer, bro, what are you doing? Like, yeah, that's kind of exactly. what it is. And yeah. it's like, there's so many other things out here. Like, my brother is an IT guru. And it's like, let's support dreams like that. Let's support yeah. dreams like um, being an artist. Or let's mm-hmm. support dreams of like, um, what else wouldn't be a norm? Being a firefighter. Yeah. You like that. The adrenaline, yeah. saving people from burning buildings like that's yeah. a career like but at the same time I also encourage um people like my brother and people like other um others that are going the unconventional path like also understand their intention behind what they're saying mm-hmm. like yeah they might be making you feel like you're not doing much but understand that they're thinking that because their idea of success is only unprepared yes yes 100% but if we just look back at okay, she's saying this because she's scared that I'm not gonna be okay. So let me give her that mm-hmm. affirmation that I am gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. We're going I'm back gonna... to the behavioral, the beha- mm-hmm. the the why the this behavior is happening is why that is it happening? Yes, yes. The fear that if I don't tell them to reach this point, then they're going to fail or they're going to really struggle or. I think a lot of times their thought processes of like, I came from here and like, 
I think for me, like my, my for seeing where my grandfather, my grandmother came from, and kind of having her tell me about growing up in Jamaica and like not really having an education, you know, seeing to where my mom has gotten to be like really successful in corporate and like, you know, being like a big dog at, you know, she's a boss. Mm-hmm. But I think every generation they want people to push further. But right. the, the goal, and like you said, the fear is like, please don't go back to like where I came from because the goal is for everybody to keep moving forward yes. everybody to be like more and more stable so I also think like we got to give them a little grace because like our parents our grandparents especially when they did not grow up in this country especially when they grew up in like a Caribbean country their dreams and their ideas of success are very narrow like mm-hmm. like you said doctor yeah. nurse engineer lawyer like it's narrow because that when they were 15 20 25 30 these were the markers of like a top tier successful person that on the outside looks like they are they got their stuff together they're stable they can take care of their family and I was listening to a podcast the other day I think it was um the see this see the thing is podcast maybe but they were talking about how our dreams like from generation to generation it all changes like our our dreams and our ideas of success change so like somebody that is 22 23 one of those markers of you know careers of success could be a youtube influencer and like 10 years ago what was that that wasn't on Mm -hmm. anybody's radar to be like a youtube influencer or a tiktok influencer and make steady money and like take care of your family there's like a whole range of things yeah that you can be great at and you can be passionate about and still be able to you know provide it and give yourself a good living so yeah just chasing what you what you want and what you don't mind doing every day and you can enjoy doing every day and that can sustain you is I think at the core of what they want for us and it's also rare to find something that you're passionate in. Uh, yes. I, I know some people that just do the job because that's just pays the bills. So yeah. I actually am grateful that I did, you know, find my purpose. And I did find something like, okay, yeah, who wants to work every day, right? Of course, when right. I have days, I don't feel like going to work, but I don't mind it. Yeah. Right, like I, I look forward to seeing my kiddos, like, and I like to see them as my own children. I don't have children yet. Um, I mean, I have Teddy, but still, <laughs> shout out that, to Teddy. <laughs> but outside of that, is just just seeing the reward of your work is what inspires you to go back. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, I can't wait for the day you stop throwing rocks at me, or I can't wait for the day you say hi, Lou. I can't wait for the day that I show a phone and you say phone. So I'm going to keep going to do it. And mm-hmm. that's kind of why I keep going back to work. Yeah, you bit me, but it's cool. It's okay. It's cool. The bruise will go away. It's okay. It's, it's going to go away. And then we're going to look at your graph and it's going to look, it's going to look bomb. It's mm-hmm. fine. Like, <laughs> and a lot of people, like, I always get, um, I don't know if it's compliments, but like, people always ask, like, where do you get this patience from? How do you do it? Like when I used to work in schools with my other agency, um, I had this kiddo. He was always stimming, um, kind of like the flapping of the hands, or always doing vocals and stuff like that. And I just got to the point where I could literally tune it out. 
and I'm just sitting there typing notes, they're simming, they're flopping, whatever. I'm like, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. whatever. And it's driving the teacher insane typing. Right. And it's like, how can you sit there? And I'm like, oh, oh, you mean the simming? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's cool, it's nothing, or whatever. Or like, let's say if the child is pantomime or whatnot, you make sure that they're in a safe space, right? That they're not hitting others or whatever, but I can stick through it. Yeah. I'm, I look at you. I'm learning then. All right. So let's do this. Let's do that type of thing. And I would just be unbothered. Yeah. Because that's also something that we've been trained to do is your facial expressions, your body language can also reinforce the behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, because as sick as it may sound, sometimes they like that. They like to see if they got under your skin, like, ooh, I got her mask. Let me see. Don't look yeah. at her. They're like, ooh, she's getting, you saw that? You saw a little break of impatience? Boom, I'm pulling her hair right there. Like, right. And it's like, you have to keep a straight face. You have to keep the same tone. You can't yell. You can't know that. It has to be the same, like, look, Ashley, pick up your toys. Mm-hmm. Ah! All right, let me know you're ready. Type thing. Or uh-huh. I physically, or I physically take your hand and I do it. And even though you're picking and pushing, we're gonna pick up the toys. Great job picking up the toys. I loved it. And the whole time you screaming cursing me out. That's great. We're still gonna pick up the toys. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like that itself requires this unrealistic level of just patience. And it would pay off in the long run. I promise you, I've seen it. I could testify that <laughs> the patience really comes a long way. With the progress of the kiddos. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lou. Um, this has been a great episode. I, I again I appreciate you taking out some time. It's the middle of the week. Um yeah. but I, I do really appreciate you again. Shout out to Abby for sending you uh this way. But I think this will be a really great episode uh for anybody that has never heard of a BCBA or just didn't know what you guys do. Um, the important work that you guys do. Um, I do want to give you your flowers because I'm not sure how many black women are in that space, but I know in general, in the medical community as a whole, we are, there's not a lot of us. So kudos to you for taking your own path and kind of forging your own way Mm -hmm. and, you know, finding a career that you love and like really making a difference in children's lives, but also just families in general. So yeah you. <laughs> that is that is a good point you you really won't find a lot um of black queens especially haitian ones yeah. because shout just, out to the haitians listening too yes <laughs> um but i am very grateful to be in an agency that is um full of colored people yes so my rbts look like me yeah. my clinical director looks like me um, my kiddos look like me. And yeah. it's like, that's just so great to see that um, it's generalizing across yeah. demographics, across cultures. We have Spanish people. We have, well, Hispanic, I'm sorry, Hispanic people. I, I know I work alongside a teacher who is from, I want to say Russia-ish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, work with Jamaicans, work with Americans, work with all those other things. But it's like to be a little girl from Miami, mm-hmm. North Miami, might I add, 
and to be amongst like you know other people that don't look like me and still have that same value and still have the same letters behind my name and yeah I could say her too thanks excuse me yes. um, and just you know to make yourself known and have a footprint like that itself is an achievement to me like aside from what I do is just the fact that I can sit in the same room with others and be like yeah we can sit here yeah yeah I'm smart I got it like yes. We That's deserve nice. a seat at the table and, and we, yeah. need we need more seats. Yeah. We need our own tables, all that good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Make your own table and invite others to it. And invite others to it. I love that. Yeah. Yes. We got to keep spreading the love, um, keep spreading the wealth and keep building, you know, lifting others up as we come up. So again, thank you, Lou for joining. Um, thank you to everybody that is listening. I appreciate you guys. Y'all don't know how much I appreciate you. I, um, and I probably said this last episode, but I'm going to say it again, but I go in and I kind of check like who's listening, not who's listening, but looking at like the amount of people listening and the people coming back and listening for more and like where you guys are located. And it's insane to me that there's people listening in different countries all over the world. Um, wow. it's insane to me to see like, shout out to, um, Ashley Johnson, who was on the most recent episode um her episode has like 16,000 1600 plays in a week which is like it blows my mind because wow I'm not super obsessed with the numbers but I do want to say that if you are listening I appreciate you listening I appreciate you sharing it with your friends your homegirls your family your aunties your mom your your boss your supervisors um because it's not about me it's really about the people that are be you know that come on this podcast, they take their time to to dig into whether it be talking about their careers or a specific disorder or their own mental health journeys. Um, the fact that you guys are taking your own time to listen to it, uh, I do really appreciate you. So shout out to y'all. If you're not following Black Girls Have Anxiety 2, give us a follow at Black Girls Have Anxiety 2 on Instagram. Uh, follow us on bullhorn.fm. Click the link in the bio. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm trying to be better on Twitter, but I'm really not that active, but you should follow because there's going to be more stuff coming on Twitter. That's at anxious black girls. That's B L K anxious black girls on Twitter. Um, and on TikTok, your girls on TikTok now at black girls have anxiety too. I am. I finally like diving into the pool of TikTok. It's not as scary as I thought it was. Um, but I do have some content rolling out on TikTok. Uh, more to come. For anybody that wants to reach out to you, Lou, if they have questions um, or just want to follow you, where can they find you? Um, so I am starting the idea of my own business, but that isn't up yet. But they can always just follow me on Facebook, Instagram. Um, my Facebook is Lune Slave. Um, my Instagram is Lune, L-O-O-N-A-Y-Y, number eight. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can also just shoot me an email um, with my first name about my last name at gmail.com um, for those that are in the field already like if they are RBP or um, if they are BCBA you kind of want to um, get community hours or link up or talk I am on the board directory so you can also look up my name and get my information from there um, that's also how some people find me they will look into the board directory of people in their zip code 
and it will just show the different DCs are available and then they pop up from there. Or you can also, um, I think you asked that question on how do they find people? You could look through your, through your insurance, um, like the mental health side of things and see if they offer it. And they could kind of give you like that network thing of people to choose from. Okay. There's agencies everywhere. So. Perfect. Well, I'll find that link for um, for the board directory. I'll throw that in the description as yeah. well. So you guys have everything you need in the description. If you're interested in talk to, talking to Lou, reach out to her. If you are an RBT, uh, BCBA, or you're just like, maybe you're in college. You're like, this sounds interesting. Let me yeah. hit her up. Hit her up. Um, I think we got to you. We've got to use each other and um use the resources that we have so uh hit her up in the description and um if you guys wouldn't mind taking a second doesn't matter where you're listening spotify apple iHeartRadio, wherever it may be um if you could leave me a rating that would be great helps the podcast um doesn't have to be anything super lengthy but if you can leave us a rating I would really appreciate y'all. Um, that's it for today. Five stars. <laughs> Thanks, Lou. I only want to see five stars. Yes, me too. I'm, I'm checking in too. <laughs> but thank you to yeah. everybody that's listening. I appreciate you all. I love you guys. Um, I'm sending everybody like lots of good vibes, lots of healing vibes. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, night, whatever it may be. And I'll see you on the next episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety too. Bye. Awesome. It was a pleasure. thank you so much for listening to another episode of black girls have anxiety too no matter where you are in the world i really appreciate your support see you again on the next episode but until then follow us on instagram at black girls have anxiety too and on twitter at anxious black girls that's anxious blk girls and remember just because you're struggling doesn't mean you have to struggle in silence the more we talk about it the more we heal